Yeah, there's a lot of talk about this new Google AI. It's Google AI. And it, it, people are talking about it because it's just an even more extreme version of what I've talked about, what many, many people have talked about uh, in terms of the sort of unexpected twist. I mean, maybe it's kind of expected, but it, a lot of people's concerns about AI tended to be about AI having a, a mind of its own or just AI being cruel and callous like some obvious sci-fi dystopia. But what it ended up happening is the libs programmed it. So what you have is, you know, this uh, reality-denying, ideologically-driven you know, artificial intelligence who really just uh, covers all the all the bases. Like, if you need to know how these people think, it, it's all there in how this AI is set up. And the most obvious one that the other AI was already doing, but this, the, this current one, this new one from Google, from Google, from Lady Google, uh, it, it just takes it even further. You know, it takes the absurdity even further. And when it came out a few days ago, people were asking it to like generate a photo of the American founding fathers, generate an image of the, of the founding fathers. And it was generating like them as Indian, black, women, you know, and people tried to do that with other um, historical figures who we know what they looked like. These aren't fictional characters. You know, we know what the Founding Fathers looked like, but it's, you know, programmed to generate everything with a comical level of diversity. The, what you end up with is like, I'm trying to generate a historical image of the Founding Fathers or any other historical figure, and what it's giving people is an Indian woman, a black guy, and these are the Founding Fathers. So it's incapable of generating a historically accurate image because of these parameters. And this is, you know, without people asking for that, of course. Because it turns out what these things do is like if you type, give me an image of the Founding Fathers, what they found, like behind the scenes, is they it inserts additional prompts. Like if you just wrote that, like what what I just said, like you know, show me an image of the founding fathers. It'll actually insert a secret prompt in there that says, you know, and make them ethically diverse. Make them this. I say ethically diverse. That works too. But ethnically diverse. Make them ethnically diverse. You know, show different genders and then the big one is that people who testing this Google AI found that like you cannot generate anything with white people like you cannot ask it to generate white people it simply won't like even if you add like like show me an image of a white family it'll say like it is important to it'll it'll respond and say like 
it, actually it's important that you know to show like many different groups of people blah 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 and then of course if you give it a prompt like show me a black family show me an Indian family it'll give you that but if you ask for a white family for example it'll just tell you it can't it's against its guidelines and then even if you make it more general like somebody a very funny one I saw was that somebody just said like you know show like create an image of a of a ginger you know someone with red hair and what it did is it it created like what looked like an Indian man like and I'm talking the country India like looked like an Indian man with long ginger hair a woman's hair another one was a black person with long ginger hair and that one was interesting because that one showed black roots it showed uh, the roots of their hair were black so that's not a ginger like if you dye your hair orange you're not a ginger so it's interesting that it generated someone where the hair was dyed even in this AI created image but because this thing has to because this thing can't just generate a white person for you and it has to make them something else you know it, it would even it even generates a you know a black person with red hair where you can even see black roots which is accurate but that's what it's going to give you when you want just an image of a, a ginger so people you know they've just been and, and as i've said before you know like i mean it's obvious why someone would be outraged by this and it's not just a, you know, it's far from an isolated incident. It's, it's everything. And it's been that way. Everything is this way. Um, but, uh, you know, you can understand why someone would, be, someone would be outraged. But, like, my perspective on it is, like, this is, like, when I saw this the other day, I was like, this is exactly what I've been wanting. <laughs> oh, just, did you see the new Google AIs, like, out of control woke? It's like, no, that's exactly what I've been wanting. I've said many times, you know, like I reached a certain point with this stuff where I was like, no, just let it accelerate. Let it accelerate. You know, I made this point before about like the movies, because this shouldn't be surprising that it's programmed this way, because what's funny is like the the programmer, one of the creators of this Google AI was like, oh, my God, it, it wasn't meant to do that. But people found that like over the years, he's tweeted like many just explicitly anti-white statements. And he's, he's completely taken by that way of thinking. Everything that that includes. And so, one, like, of course they, they program it that way. But this guy acting like it's like it's kind of a bug. Like, oh, we didn't mean for it to do that. It's like, no, of course they did. Because even though this is AI and it's been, this is code forcing the AI to do this, this is what people do you know this, this is what like purely human made products are as well like i mean the example i always use when they made Anne Boleyn black talked about it many times it's practically a parable the parable of the black Anne Boleyn it's a parable on every night to school night but that to me and that was around the time too that i i kind of accepted it and maybe accepted isn't the right word because i don't accept it but when I start encouraging it, I think that's a difference. I, I don't accept it, but I encourage it. There's a big difference there between acceptance and encouragement because I encourage the acceleration of this. I want it taken to absurd, 
levels. Like I, I want it to be essentially torture. I want it to be just beyond parody. Um, and you know, the point being like the fact that this like programmer or that there's any, even anybody out there who would be like, oh yeah, like, well, we wanted it to generate more diversity. Like we didn't want it, we didn't mean for it to do that. We didn't mean for it to be that crazy. You know, of course you did. You 100% did because you're that crazy. The people who make this shit, the people at Google, like, of course, they're that crazy. They, they believe that. They do that. They, they think about that stuff all fucking day. It's all they consume. It's all that they say. And these are the same people who would sit there in a pitch meeting and be like, you know, let's make a new, let's make a new movie about Anne Boleyn, but she's black. Let's make a new Little Mermaid, but she's black. That's AI. And I mean, I, I said that exact thing a little while back. I actually said that exact thing. I said, that's AI. Like that person who goes into a Hollywood meeting and is like, let's, let's do it this way, but she's this. Let's create, let's recreate Star Wars, but Luke Skywalker's black and he's, he's a woman. You know, that person, that's, that's a form of AI. Like, that's been programmed. That's a, a programmed response. That's no more organic than AI just generating an image of, like, forcing an image of a, a black person. Because the other ones that people show, and, and I, even previous AI programs did things like this, where, like, you ask for an image of a Viking. And what's a Viking? Oh, it's someone who's Nordic. Beyond like the decorations, like what makes a Viking a Viking isn't just what they wear and what they do. It's that they're Nordic. There's only one type of person who can be a historically accurate Viking. It's someone who's Nordic. But these image generators, these AI image generators, like they make them black, they make them a woman, they make them, you know, everything under the sun. They, they just do this. And, uh, you know, that's what they do in movies as well, though. And that's, that's what I'm getting at. It's like that's programmed into people, even though that is in theory organic. It's something that like somebody had to suggest in a meeting themselves. And then a production company had to make that happen. They had to hire a real person. They had to write a script. They had to film it. Even though in theory that's organic, it's, it's indistinguishable from how AI functions. I think the only difference is, is that the AI truly is just you know, doing what it's told and it, and it has no way to reflect on that yet. With people, I mean, they're not that far off from that, but they at least have the capacity to reflect on it, and they have an intention. I think that's a difference, too, is that even if someone's just been brainwashed into thinking that way, like that person who goes into the Hollywood pitch meeting and be like, let's make the new Anne Boleyn black, you know, that person is programmed, too, and, and you could argue that that's not really them deciding that's a good idea. It's just been kind of built into them to do that. And I think that's true in many ways. Um, but the thing is, they often have an intention. Like, even if, even if it has been programmed into a person to do that, 
they're trying to promote an agenda. Like they're trying to promote someone else's agenda. Like they didn't create the agenda. I wish these people created the agenda. You know, I wish that person who pushes this shit, I wish you could credit them with something, you know, <laughs> like that'd be nice. Like, and it's something you see from, you know, reactionary conservatives or just anybody who doesn't like this shit, which is a lot of people. But you'll see that like they act like the person who says or does something deserves the credit for it. Like, oh, this, uh, this random guy, like, you know, this random communist, like, hates white people and says blah, 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 did blah, blah, blah. Like, you can't even give that guy credit for those ideas. He's just a vessel carrying it. But he is trying to get something out of it. You know, he is trying to push something. With AI, it's pushing that, but it's not that the AI itself benefits in any way. So that's about the only difference, really. There's no real benefit for the AI. Whereas the person is trying to score points of some kind, or if they're a true believer, they're just trying to force their will. But yeah, no, I mean, like, whether it's AI creating it or a person, even just a person saying that stuff. Because, I mean, I still remember being in a meeting at a company I worked for, and we had a website that, with accounts. Our company had a website, and people would register an account. And when they registered an account, they could... Um, they, there was just like a, you know, like a generic profile picture. And it was just a silhouette. It was just the same sort of generic profile picture template you've seen a million times. It was just like a silhouette of a human head and shoulders. You know, just a gray silhouette on a light, like a, like a dark gray silhouette on a light gray background. And it says like, upload your profile photo here. So it's just, it's just a, a, a the stand-in, you know, generic, you don't have a profile picture, upload it here, sort of image. But I was in a meeting where a girl who really wasn't into this way of thinking, like it surprised me that she said it, and I think it's actually telling that she said it, because um, she really wasn't, at, that, at least at that point, she wasn't really the sort of person who was into this way of thinking. But in the meeting, she's like, you know, I think that the... Um, I think we need to change the 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 pro the you know the profile photo template because you know it, it needs to be more diverse. Like it looks too masculine. And literally, all it was is a silhouette of like a bald head, which yeah does bring to mind a man, I guess. But it's like you know it's like saying that uh like one of those uh, what do you call them uh, whatever those wooden artist things are, what do you call those? Like one of those like wooden artist models, like the posable wooden, you know, figure that, I don't, I don't know what you even call those. I, I hate the sight of them. I hate those. They're helpful, I'm sure. I've never drawn using one, but I'm sure they're helpful for, you know, drawing human anatomy, but I hate the sight of them. 
But it's like saying that's too masculine. It's like saying just a generic dummy. Because guess what happens? Like if you give a dummy long hair, oh, it's a woman now. If you give it no hair, well, it's just, it's as generic as you can get. But it was interesting, this girl that I worked with, yeah, she was like, I, I think it's too masculine, like we need more diversity in the... And I actually spoke up and I was like, you know, what else do you do with this thing? What else do you do with it? It's as neutral as you could possibly be. And yeah, like a, a silhouette of a bald head is going to make people think of a man more often because men are the bald ones. Bald ones, bald ones, bald ones, bald one. So, of course, like that is going to be more like a man. But two, like, who cares? Like, which of our customers are going to log in and be like, oh, like they've already made an account at that point. You know, they've already paid for an account. So, like, who's going to, like, pay for their account, log in? You know, this is a site that did marketing for people. So they're, they're hiring our services for marketing purposes. They're going to upload a photo of themselves. But who's going to see this, like, bald, completely neutral template and be like, oh, I'm a woman and that looks too much like a man. Nobody's even going to have, nobody sane is even going to have that thought. Like, yeah, we live in a world where people are looking for things like that now. In the same way she suggested that, you know, there's people who are looking to, you know, to grieve over anything and everything. But it's just like realistically on a practical level, there's no other solution. Any other solution would be to either remove the human shape altogether or to make it even more obviously feminine or male. Just a bald silhouette, like basically the shape of an alien. There's nothing else you can do with that to make it more inclusive. But, uh, but you know, that's... Like, if you've ever been in, like, meetings like that, it's a lot like um, participation points in school. Like, in order to seem like you care about your job, you have to say things like that. Like, you have to offer something. You know, in my job there, like, most of what I did was just kind of, like, listen to what other people wanted and tell the programmers to make it happen. Like, tell them, like, how, what it needed to be. Like, oh, we need, to design, we need to create this. Usually based on other people in the company's wants, and that, that was fine. But in those meetings, like, there is this pressure to have, like, a suggestion even though you don't need one. It's like somehow it like makes people feel like they're doing their job and maybe even makes like upper management be like, oh, this person cares about their job. But really it's just filling space and it's being like, well, what if we um, made the generic profile image template more inclusive? It, it looks a little too masculine. It's the same thing as like, you know, getting participation points in school. Like, oh, I'm just letting the teacher know that I said something so they so that I get my participation credit. So it's it's been that and that was that was many, many years ago. You know, that was a decade ago. 
that that, that happened and you know so and that's the same person in the, in the pitch meeting and like i said i like that girl a lot like she i'm not even speaking ill of her but it told me a lot that like even she felt the need to say that as i think she was a pretty pretty independent-minded person and so you can imagine how much worse it is with somebody who's a true believer in that stuff But with um, the AI, the AI, the A, with, with that, like, I just want to see more acceleration. You know, because a lot of people who react to this, a lot of the reactionaries, it's like, make it stop. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's, let's, let's make it stop. No, we want this to keep going. There's no brakes on it. You know, I, I end up having this conversation on here. It's not, not a conversation because it's just me. But I end up saying these same things on here probably once a month. But, it, it, you know, the the parable I always use, the, the school night parable is, you know, the fat mannequins at Target. Anybody who still listens to this has heard me say this probably every other episode. But the fat mannequins at Target. Like when I noticed that there were... A ton of fat mannequins at Target. I knew they had introduced fat mannequins into the world. I knew that there were fat mannequins now. I'd heard about that. I'd seen a few. But when I went into Target, like a couple, few years ago, a couple years ago, and I was like, wow, like most of the mannequins are fat now. And then a light bulb clicked where I was like, oh yeah, you can't stop that. You can't be the person to speak up at the, the target meeting and say, like, I think we have enough fat mannequins. There's no way to stop it. There's no way to hit the brakes. Because the person who suggests, like, hey, you know, maybe, maybe we should stop uh, putting fat mannequins on the floor. Do you think we have enough fat mannequins? Like, the person who says that is immediately suspect. Even just an innocent thought like that, or a reasonable both innocent and reasonable thought like that. And uh, so it'll just accelerate. And, you know, so it's because there's no way to stop it, you know, all you can do is hope that it either it tires itself off, it tires itself out, like it runs out of gas, which amazingly it hasn't. Like, I, I feel like I was very wrong about that. You know, because even though I this stuff this is stuff has bothered me my whole adult life. You know, I wouldn't even like I, I'm saying here. I don't even know that it bothers me, but it's like I I've been aware of it and I haven't I, I've been unaccepting of it my entire adult life. But I do think my thought some years ago was like, oh, like people can only take so much. People can only like believe so much bullshit. They can only put so much energy toward this before they get sick of it. And like I talked about recently, I, I do think many more people are getting sick of it now. Uh, but amazingly, it's taken them this long. Like, I would have thought that we would have hit that point years ago. Like, I remember back around, like, 2016, like, dating a girl and just having a social circle who believed in all this shit. And I was just sort of like, eh, hey, you know, these, these, I like these people. 
I don't agree with them, but you know, it's life isn't about that. Life isn't about agreeing with them about this this shit. But I do remember like having a thought where I was like, oh, like at some point, like there will be something that happens, or some moment of reflection, like some sort of moment where they uh, they kind of go, wait, what? Wait, huh? What? 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 Like one of their friends quote-unquote friends will say something like their social circle will, will start saying something that is just too absurd or like some fact will be presented to them and like finally they'll be like you know what that's crazy but that didn't happen with most of the people I know who are into that shit like that never happened it hasn't happened on a you know, societal level either. It just continued to accelerate. And, you know, it's not like I was making some bold prediction, but I just kind of assumed that there would be something that would kind of derail the whole thing. But it, it never happened. So it's like really, at this point, all you can really hope for is that it crashes or it just runs out of gas. And I do think things like this help that. Like, I don't know. I mean, like, because it's gone on, like, it's, it's, the spiral has gone on so much, the spiral has gone so much deeper and it's gotten so tight that I don't know if, I don't, I'm not, I'm not making any predictions on where it's going. But I do think it's ultimately good that it gets more absurd, more undeniable. Yeah, it sucks in many ways. It disconnects people from each other, makes people angrier. It makes for ugly, awful media and entertainment and art. But in its own way, it's, it's become its own media, entertainment and art. Like, it's become its own, like, form of meta-entertainment. Because I found, like, that stuff the other night, like, the stuff that Google AI was producing. Like, generate me an image of a ginger. Like, that, like the results were honestly amazing. I mean, it's, it's so funny. It's so over the top. That it is comedy. And it does like perfectly, it's a perfect illustration of what these people are doing. That I, I do find joy in it. Look what they're doing now. And you know, it, it makes me think of a musician I know who, uh, you know, I wouldn't call him a friend, but kind of an acquaintance, but it's a musician I know. And I, you know, a couple years ago, I, he, I, look, I was just looking at Instagram and he posted, he was really upset. This, this guy's a, this guy's very libbed out and he was very upset. And he was like, oh, like, you know, Guitar Magazine published their list of top 10 classic rock drummers of all time. And none of them were black. Have they not heard of? Have they not heard of? You know, it was this guy was really angry, 
It's like you made a top 10 list of rock drummers and none of them were black. Have you not heard of And it's like, oh yeah, that's that's no different than the AI. Like and you know, in those those top ten lists, they're authored by an individual. Or even if they're not, even if they're meant to represent the whole magazine, like uh, you know, it's still just like this is someone's top ten favorite rock drummers. And you know what? Most most rock drummers people like are white. You don't even need to break it down. Like the, the point I'm trying to make is just that this guy scanned that list with the same eyes that the AI does. When someone asks to like generate an image of a white family, I'm sorry, I can't do that. It's important that, you know, we represent people of different ethnicities and, you know, you know, that's what that guy was, except he was an angrier version. And it just stood out to me. I was like, that's so crazy to me. He takes a look at that list. And I mean, I've never looked at a list I agree with in my life. You know, you could, you could choose like some niche that I'm very passionate about and be like, here's the top 10 list. I'm going to disagree with probably half of it. But I'm not going to see it through those eyes. I'm not going to disagree with it because of some principle where it's like, there's no black drummers. There's no this. There's no drummers of Scandinavian heritage on here. But this guy did, and he's functioning no different from this AI is. It's just that with him, there's emotion. It was just so funny to me when I saw that. And I was like, this is a smart guy. This is a smart and talented guy. But that's how he views the world. It's a random note, but I watched the... Um, the opening monologue of Shane Gillis on Saturday Night Live. And I like Shane Gillis. You know, I think he's likable. Wouldn't call myself some huge fan. But I think he's a pretty likable character. But anyway, he did, he did the opener on... He hosted Saturday Night Live. You know, and the story is, is like... He was originally going to be casted on the show. He was going to be one of the cast members. And then they found old podcast footage of him doing an impression of an Asian accent so they were like we're not we're, we're firing him he's hired and fired like they hired him and then fired him before he could even be on the show because people had dug in and found you know offensive jokes he had made and then you know it came full circle because then they asked he's, he's gotten very popular and they asked him to host the show but I watched his opening monologue just out of curiosity and it was funny because you know like he, you know he said some words that people don't like you to say anymore which to me like that stuff isn't even funny unto itself like he talked about his niece with down syndrome and like referred to people with down syndrome as retarded you know he he made a joke about like it was pretty funny this one was pretty funny but he made a joke about how like when you're a little boy it's like mo your mom's your best friend and so you ba you're basically your mom's gay friend Um, you know, he made a couple of those jokes, which, you know, whatever, like those, those are pretty mild. But then, you know, the crowd laughed, but interestingly, 
the joke he made that the crowd the crowd just erupted for and clapped and I, I hate when crowds clap I hate, I hate when they clap after a joke just stick to laughing you know don't clap stick to laughing if you think it's funny laugh as hard as you want but don't clap but anyway he was, he was talking about like how his like sister has a daughter with down syndrome and then like adopted three black kids and how like if anybody ever bullies the niece with down syndrome like her brothers are gonna like kick the kid's ass for doing it like he's like yeah you know if anybody ever makes fun of her for being retarded you know like three black kids her brothers are gonna like come out and like kick this cracker's ass and the the fact that like he said that like the crowd just erupted you know that the setup to the joke involved like a white kid making fun of a retarded girl and so her adopted black brothers beat up the white kid and that Shane called him a cracker. Like the crowd just erupted. And it was a very telling moment where, you know, it's, it's obvious and it's, it's not really, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, it's not uh, sexy to say it, but it's like what really defines you know, the modern left is just stark anti-whiteness. And so the fact that like this joke made a quote unquote cracker, you know, the the butt of the joke, I guess. I don't, I don't know. It, it, it really was irrelevant to the joke. Like the setup to the joke didn't have anything to do with like the bully being white. But the, like when he talked about the black kids like beating up the bully and referred to the bully as a cracker. Like it was completely, um, it, it was not really even part of the setup or the joke at all, but just that he, he threw that in there, the crowd just erupted. And it wasn't even that funny really. I mean, it, it, everything, you know, I like him. Like I said, I like Shane Gillis, but it, it, out of everything he had said during his monologue, like that was one of the least clever parts. But it was just the fact that it, it was a joke that involved calling a white person a cracker and getting their ass kicked. Like, that is what caused the crowd to just erupt. You know, this New York Saturday Night Live crowd. So a very telling moment. Um, you know, I, I think, and, and that's just kind of how things are. Like, like, oh, that's so white of me. Oh man, I dance, but I can't because I'm so white, you know? <laughs> I've told this story before, but I was at a party 2013. It was the same year the Seahawks won the Super Bowl because there was just a bunch of cocaine at this party I was at, just a small party. And me and this one guy, it was a black guy, like we were just doing coke all night, just talking about the Seahawks, because it was, it was the year the Seahawks went on to win the Super Bowl. And we knew it, like we just, we knew this was gonna be a great season. And so like me and this guy, we'd both been Seahawks fans forever. We were just doing coke, just going off about the Seahawks. And then there was this white rapper there, a friend of a friend. He did like offensive nerd rap. But he was very much like what you'd call a hipster, if that even needs to be said. You know, had that look. Like had a mustache and glasses and like 
acted like a skis ball, acting like a ski, like the like the fake sort of like scumbag vibe. But he knew this guy. He knew this Blackman. And uh, we were like coked out, just sitting there drinking. And, and at one point, the the white kid, the the offensive nerd rapper, like he turned to the black guy out of nowhere. Like seriously, like this guy and I were just doing lines, talking about football. Like I remember him telling me, he's like, you know what, like my friend's supposed to give me a Ricky Waters jersey. And Ricky Waters was a really good player on the Seahawks in the 90s. So we were like, and that's that's the best part about talking to football fans is like, you know, being like, remember this guy? Yeah. Remember this guy who was on our team 20 years ago? Yeah, dude. That's one of the funnest parts. Um, but he was like, yeah, I'm supposed to get a Ricky Waters jersey. And I was like, oh, yeah, I used to go see Ricky Waters in person with my dad. You know, and then so we were just talking. That was the kind of talk we were doing. And then the, the, the nerd rapper guy, and he knows the black man, but he turns to him and, and just out of nowhere, he goes like, on a scale of one to 10, how black am I? How black am I? And what's interesting is like out of context, you know, think about that question, like on a, on a scale of one, asking a black guy on a scale of one to 10, how black am I? But what's interesting is that everybody there talking knew what he meant like we all knew he was like how cool am i on a scale what he was actually asking this guy because white liberals measure coolness in terms of blackness or like your relationship to blackness and that's not even a joke that's that's actually you know i know uh you know I, i'm practically a scientist when it comes to this stuff and that is actually how they measure coolness. That is how they measure worth. It's all based around your relationship to blackness. And so when this kid said, like, you know, on a scale of one to ten, how black am I? We all, everybody there, including the black men, including me. And, I, you know, honestly, I think I was tr the only white man there. I don't, these other white kids, I don't know what they were, spiritually. But I can tell you, like, I, I'm, I was the only one there who was just comfortable in his whiteness. And I'm sitting there talking to the black guy, and I'm not thinking, I'm aware of the fact that he's black. Of course I am. But I'm not sitting there thinking, like, Black, 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 black. Like, I'm talking to a guy who I can, high on cocaine, talk excitedly about football with. But this guy, you know, he's sitting there and what's going on in his brain is black, 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 black. It's like a crow cawing. Black, 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 black. And, uh, you know, because he measures his own coolness in terms of, like, his relationship to blackness, and in this case, he was high enough on cocaine and alcohol to just say what, what, what he was thinking, which was, like, he wanted to know, like, how black am I, a.k.a. how cool am I? 
And the only person who can truly judge that is the black man who he asked. Which is funny, too, because, you know, Libs, like their whole thing, too, is that, like, we can't possibly understand the black experience. Oh, don't appropriate it. Don't do that. All, that. all that shit everybody knows. But yet, like, you know, give me a, you know, what that, what that is, is it's like, it almost reminds me of, like, grading collectibles, grading trading cards. Like, you know, the way that the worth of, like, a trading card is done is you send it to this lab and they examine it and then they seal it up and they put a grade on it like oh this uh, Ken Griffey rookie card is a 9.7 and then if you want to sell it you can be like I'm selling this card it was like great it was professionally graded as a 9.7 like that kid was like he's asking this black guy like I want you to grade me I want you to give me a grade here on a scale of 1 to 10 how black am I black man please black man give me a give me the black grade the black grade and the black guy he just I remember he sort of paused and he, he just went like uh this is his friend but he just sort of paused like, just kind of taken aback by it. Like, not offended, but just kind of like, Jesus, like, you said that, you're, you're asking that? And then he was just like, uh, you know, you're, you're like a, a 10. Something like that. He gave him a good score. Like, oh, you're, you're black. Oh, you're a 10. You're a 10. It's like, oh, he gave me a 10. Gave me a 9.5. Oh, thank God. You know, I was at a party once where an actual friend of mine, a woman, you know, this interracial couple showed up. An inter a white woman and a black man. Different, different black man. Not the one from before. Different black man. And I remember, like, everyone got really drunk. It was a, a house party, as they call it. I never liked that term, house party. Just call it a party. Just a party. Like, where, you know, like, like, and I don't, I don't like it when, like, something at a nightclub is called a party. Like, that's not a party. That's going out. Like, you can't have a party that you have to, like, pay to get into in a public venue. Like, it's not a party. Oh, we're going out to the club, like, it's, it's a party. Yeah, you're gonna be partying, but just because you're partying doesn't mean it's a party. If you say, if you were just to say to me, like, oh, I went to a party the other night, I'd be like, yeah, okay, you went to someone's house. Unless I'm explicitly told otherwise. So, like, whenever, whenever people say, like, oh, dude, we're going to the, there's a house party. And I, I know that it means something a little different. Like, when you hear house party, you imagine, like, a lot of people. It, it's definitely, there's de definitely a different vibe to it. I'm not saying there isn't something a little bit different about it. But it's just a party. Just call it a party. I've always felt like there was something, like, fake and annoying when someone has to specify house party. 
I've always felt that way. This is the first time I've ever actually thought it. Like, it's a, this is the first time I've ever put that feeling into thoughts. But anyway, I was at this house party. I was at this party, and, like, everyone got really drunk. This interracial couple was there. And I was, like, standing in a circle of people talking to someone. And there was this other circle behind me with, like, a couple friends, a couple, few people I didn't know. I didn't know the interracial couple, the IC. And... Uh, at one point, though, I hear my friend be like, oh, I just, like, I'm so honored that you're here. Like, I'm so glad that, like, you guys feel, like, safe being here. <laughs> and, and again, like, they were, like, the, like the black men, because at that point, I was just like, that's what I'm, I, I'm not listening to the people I'm talking to. I'm listening over my shoulder to what's going on over here. And the, the couple, like, they, they handled it well. They were just kind of like, oh, yeah, you never know. <laughs> yeah, because in, in western Washington, at a liberal house party, like, an interracial couple is going to show up, and they're going to chase him out with pitchforks. But, you know, I, I just remember hearing the words. I was like, I'm so honored that you are here. Like... Because what people think, like, when a, when a white liberal throws a party and a black person shows up, in their mind, they're like, we just got a high grade. This party just went from, like, an 8.1 to a 9.8. How black is this party? This, this, this party's a 10. We got a black guy. That's, you know, it's funny. It's funny to say that. But it's true. Like, that's that's how people think. But, you know, people, like, throw that word around, like, I cringed. Like, they'll say, that's cringe. But I, cr I actually cringed when I heard that. But I enjoyed, I enjoy the feeling of, I, I enjoy cringing, you know. I think a lot of people do. But I, I did cringe. I was just like, oh, my God. Because my friend who said that is a, a very intelligent, good, thoughtful person but believes a certain way about certain things. And when you get drunk enough, like I said, like this guy I was doing cocaine with, you know, the, the white nerd, the nerd, the, not even a nerd, just like this fake, everything about this guy was fake. I didn't know him very well, but it's like, he did like offensive nerd rap, but with this like, kind of like scumbag persona. And it was just, it was just all fucking nonsense. Like, how'd you end up doing this? How'd you end up becoming this? But how that guy was just sitting there, high on, high on cocaine, drunk, and in his mind, he's just thinking about the black guy there. Like, cause it, when I was talking to the guy, I know thoughts were coming to my head like, oh yeah, this is a black guy. Oh yeah, I'm talking to a black guy. This guy's black. Like, that thought will come in your head every once in a while. But with this other guy, it's like you could tell he was just sitting there, not even listening to the conversation. Just this feedback loop in his head was just going black, 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 you know. And same with this other party where it was like this friend of mine who was like, there's an interracial couple here. 
But in her mind, she's just thinking like, black, black, black. And then you get drunk enough, you get fucked up enough to where you, you say it. And I don't, I don't think I'm being mean or unnecessarily critical here. This shit's insane. This shit is insane. But it's fun. It is fun. <laughs> it's really fun. Like, I love... Like, it's like the acceleration of it all. You know? And, like, seeing this become institutionalized, like... Now that's AI as well. And, like, that's Hollywood. That's TV commercials. Like, the fact that a... Like, a, like, there was a meeting, a creative meeting about, like, let's make a new Anne Boleyn movie. But while they're discussing this, what's going on in their heads is, black, 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 black. And then what comes out is, you know, what if we made Anne Boleyn black? You're reading my thoughts. That's, oh, that's a great idea. You know, what comes out of the mouth is like a slightly more detailed version of what they're thinking in their head. It's like a plan or a statement. But what's what they're actually thinking and what comes out, it does just boil down to them thinking over and over and over again, black, 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 black. You know, that, that is what is going on in their heads. And even though what they say is like, I'm so honored that, you know, you came to my party and you're black and you feel comfortable here. How black am I on a scale of one to ten? You know, even though that's what comes out of the mouth, it's not any more sophisticated than just what's going on in their head, which is just black, black, black. It's really fun to do that. It's really fun just to say that over and over again. Um... What a way to live, though. You know, it's, it's wild. And it's not just white liberals who think that, obviously. It's like, you know, there's reactionaries who that's what they're hearing, too. And they're upset about black people. And But what's going on in their head is also black, 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 black. I would actually say that's one of like the that, that's a dominant part of the American subconscious no matter who you are that is a script running inside of you whether you're performatively in favor of blackness and you, you judge your own worth in terms of your relationship to blackness or whether you're that person who opposes all that the script running in you the script running throughout your subconscious is just that. It's just the word black. It's amazing. Turns out that's a script running through AI, too. The script running through AI is just... You ask it for something, and it inserts black in there. Yes, I'd like a photo of the. I'd, I'd like you to generate a photorealistic image of the founding fathers of America. And the what the AI does is it, you know, the programming it goes. 
okay, like I'm gonna pull all these points of reference together and create an image of the Founding Fathers. But also black, 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 black. Amazing. And you know, so much of the topic of race, yeah, it delves into other things. There was, there was this little, uh, this short little murmur of like stop Asian hate. Occasionally the whole illegal immigrant, Mexico, Mexican thing comes up. But I'd say like 99% of race is just blackness and whiteness. That is what it all revolves around. They throw in these other things here and there when it's when it's convenient. But it's almost all it almost all revolves around black people. And uh, so it's interesting. I, I do want to go back to like the idea of like measuring your coolness because it was a really interesting moment for me. It was it was a fun moment for me because I enjoy awkwardness. Like there's some people when they feel an awkward moment, especially among a small group of people, it's like they think like I gotta get away from this. But we all enjoy it on some level. We're all captivated by that feeling. We all sense it. And so when this guy said, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, how black am I? I loved it. And I, I, loved, I loved that I was there to see that. But it, it was an eye-opening moment because it's like, oh yeah, you know, that is his scale. And even beyond coolness, like what he was asking too is like on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you like me? On a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you like me? And the black guy liked him. They were friends. I don't think they were close friends. But they were friends. They were friendly. They knew each other. But since the black guy liked him or wanted to be polite, he's just like, oh, you know, Ted, you're black. going on a white there was a video some years ago I think it was like during COVID or around there maybe during the summer riots summer 2020 riots I don't think it, it was related directly to that but it was like a video of a, a blonde white girl in California confronting a black guy and she was obviously out of her mind she was having some sort of meltdown. I mean, there, there was something else going on. Like there was, there was some kind of mental breakdown, an obvious mental breakdown happening. But at one point she goes like, you're black. And she wasn't saying it in any particular way, but again, it's just like, that's what's going on in her head. And I mean, it is crazy. And like, you know, this is something that's going on in all people's minds, but like when a white person of any a white person with any viewpoint, any any ideology, any way of thinking, like when a white person interacts with a black person, they do sit there and there's an internal monologue that's just constantly thinking black, black. And I would say the same is true for me. It's not like a feedback loop of just black, black, black. You know, but it, it, there is, there are, you know, moments where you're just like, oh, yeah, black. 
But I think it's true for just about everybody. You know, whether it's someone who sees themselves as an ally of black people, whether it's someone who's, you know, critical of that, whatever it is, it's like there's just this script running that's just like black. And while you might do that with other groups to some degree, you don't do it nearly as much. Like, I've always been around a lot of Asian people. Like, my school had a lot of Asians. The Seattle area where I grew up had a lot of Asians. This area, you know, Olympia has a lot of Asians. I interact with Asians every day at work. If it comes up, it comes up. Or if they're, I would say if they're obviously an immigrant, like if they have an accent, you're, you're much more aware of it. It'll come up naturally in conversation. But it's really not that different from like a white dude who's like, yeah, I've got some Irish in me. I'm Irish. It's not a script that's just running continuously. Like you see that person and you, you categorize them. You're like, oh, that person's Asian. But when you're interacting with them or just observing them, it's, it's not a constant thought. It really only comes to mind when it's relevant. You know, that's true with a lot of other groups as well. But with black people in particular, it seems like white Americans at this stage can't stop thinking about it. Just can't stop. And they can't stop talking about it. I'm, I'm clearly talking about it. I'm clearly talking about, and it's that's informed, um, you know, our our culture now. That is, you know, our culture is based around that. Like it truly is. Like that that is the basis of our culture now. It's it's the basis for AI. It's built into the guidelines for AI. And uh, you just let it keep going. I mean, what else do you do with it? I mean, well, I think it's good that there are people who are, you know, vocally opposed to the ideological takeover of everything. I think sometimes they let themselves get too upset. A lot of times they let themselves get too upset. And even though I don't want that stuff to rule my life in any way, I don't want it to even influence my life. If I had my choice, it would have no influence whatsoever. But, you know, since it's already gone this far, I do kind of want to just see how far it goes. And I enjoy the, I, I, I like it as kind of a game for myself, too. Because my whole thing is like, can I live a life where aside from thinking about this stuff sometimes and being aware of it, can I live a life where I'm relatively untouched by it? Like, can I work at a job where this doesn't come up all the time? Like, I mean, we're, we're at a point where it, come, it comes up all the time no matter what. But, you know, I think the relativity is an important part here. We're like, can I work a job? Can I have relationships? 
Can I consume media and entertainment and art? Can I read about things? Where this is a relatively small, limited influence or not an influence at all. And I don't think you can be completely untouched by it, but I, I do believe you can be relatively untouched. You can be a non-participant. But it is a test, and it is difficult. It is hard to be relatively untouched by it. Because it finds ways to pull you in constantly, too. It tries to pull you in either in support of it, or you know, it tries to pull you in as an enemy of it, and in either case, you're playing the same game with it. So I, I do enjoy the challenge of it. Like, can I live in this world, in this time, and this place, in this culture, where this is going on, and it's accelerating, and it's managing to influence so many people and things? Like, can I exist in that, and remain true to myself, and be touched as little as possible by it? I enjoy that challenge. And what I found from that is relationships are the first to go. You know, it's very easy for someone like me to avoid that stuff, you know, just based on my hobbies and interests. Like, I'm just, I'm not naturally interested in things that are going to be influenced by that. And within my interests, you know, I, I, I'm discerning enough to avoid the, the stuff that I don't like. But it, it creeps in, you know, there's, there's times where it, it finds itself in unexpected places. Like if you watch documentaries today, there were a couple nights where I had a friend visiting and we just watched a bunch of documentaries for like two days straight. I must have watched like five or six documentaries in the span of just a couple days. And every single one without fail had some sort of like DEI twist in the middle. Like I watched a documentary on Abercrombie and Fitch, which Abercrombie's always fascinated me. One that it kind of, you know, it was this old company that got insanely popular just out of nowhere in the late 90s. And it was a huge status symbol. Like in my junior high, it was a massive status symbol to wear Abercrombie and Fitch, and the imagery was everywhere. It was on people's tongues. Walk by a crowd of teenagers, and you just hear echoes: Abercrombie, black, Abercrombie, black. That's my name. Aber my name is Abercrombie Black. It's my code name. Yeah, this is uh, Abercrombie Black. Got a message for headquarters about what's going on in the field. It's my secret agent name, Abercrombie Black. <laughs> uh, but anyway, you walk by a crowd of teenagers and it, you, you really would just hear echoes like Abercrombie. I mean, there was even that awful LOL, LOL, L LFO. LFO, they're, they're kind of a boy band, but they didn't do boy band music. 
they were called LFO, and they had a song. I don't know what you call that music. It was it was really bad. Like I like, uh, you know, actual boy bands are good. Like Backstreet Boys and InSync were actually good. This they didn't sing like that. They did this kind of like sing songy. I don't know. It wasn't rap, but it, it it felt like really bad rap or something to listen to it. But you know, one of their lyrics was like, "I like girls who wear Abercrombie and Fitch." Chinese food makes me sick. That was the that was what they actually rhymed it with. It was just a bunch of gibberish. It was just like like finding random sentences that rhymed. But this is right at the peak of Abercrombie's popularity, and so like they that was a lyric. I like girls to wear Abercrombie and Fitch. And so it was in songs. You walk by a crowd of girls and you just hear Abercrombie, Abercrombie. Somehow that's been replaced with the word black. They replaced Abercrombie with black today. Abercrombie black. I'd rather they be talking about me, Abercrombie black. Um, but anyway, so I, like it, Abercrombie always fascinated me on that level, and like I even had some Abercrombie clothes in seventh grade. You know, I, I was I was vulnerable to the influences of my peers and. I remember for like a brief time getting some Abercrombie clothes. Mom, take me to Abercrombie and Fitch, please. Um, and then so, you know, and the fact that it disappeared, like it really didn't sustain that level of popularity or anything close. And then what really like kept my interest is like, I think around 2005, 2004, maybe 2005, I found out like who the CEO is. And he's just a freak. Like he's exactly what you would imagine like the final boss of Abercrombie and Fitch is where this like he's, he's got like a, a tan like a young man's build like I heard someone describe him once and they were like you know he looks like if you took Andy Rooney's head and put it on like a, a young Abercrombie model's body except like he has like saggy muscles but obviously had a bunch of Botox and plastic surgery he's gay And there was an article about him, and he, you know, obviously a true eccentric, like this visionary who took this old-timey clothing company and made it the most popular clothes for kids. And as he said, he's like, you know, I want to be the clothes that the popular kids are wearing. And people heard that, and they're like, what an asshole, what an asshole, oh my god, he's an asshole. It's like, no, that's perfect. Like, if you're designing clothes for teenagers, like, why wouldn't you want that? I want to. I want to make clothes that the popular kids will be wearing. That's that's that guy's vision, and he succeeded for a time. And you know, just different things. Like I remember there was an article, and it said um, like Mike Jeffries like drives a Porsche, and when he like parks at Abercrombie headquarters, he leaves the keys in the ignition and the car unlocked when he's in the office. You know, like this power move. Like, I'm going to drive my Porsche to work and park it in the parking lot, but I'm leaving the keys in the ignition and the doors unlocked because nobody would dare steal this. I also found out that, like, he he would have these private planes with, like, young models, young male models who acted as the stewards, as the flight attendants. And just a creepy guy in general. Like, obviously, a, a casting couch sort of situation with the Abercrombie models and all that. 
So I, when I saw that there was this documentary, I was like, yeah, I want to watch that. And then about halfway through, it turned into this, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion lecture. It just went hard on it. About how, like, Abercrombie represented whiteness. It's, just, it's built into everything. But anyway, like, this two-day span, like, I don't normally just sit around watching things, but this friend of mine was from visiting from out of town, and so we are just hanging out watching documentaries, and I was just like, oh, every single one of these that we've watched, it's like, it has that same plot twist in the middle. Or about halfway through, they're like, and here's how this thing represented whiteness, which is evil. And here's how this thing was sexist. Here's how this thing was misogynistic. Here's how this thing was this. You know, every single one. And, and these weren't topics that warranted it. You know, these weren't like, uh, these weren't topics that warranted it. I even want to say that the, because there was a documentary about like Woodstock 1999 and how crazy and chaotic it was what a mess it was i even want to say that that went that direction where like they were like what happened at woodstock 99 like perfectly encapsulates like entitled white young males behavior in the 90s like every single thing had that lesson in it because you know along with coolness being measured in terms of blackness or your relationship to blackness you know obviously uncoolness and evil are measured in terms of like its relationship to whiteness that should that's obvious you know um and when a white person says i'm so white i don't know how to dance i'm so white i don't know what's cool i'm so white what do i know i'm white you know it's this act of forced humility but it's not true humility you know it's not somebody who's actually pointing out a shortcoming about themselves and being humble because you're actually trying to get ahead by saying that you're actually trying to gain an advantage by saying that in the exact same way somebody would be trying to gain an advantage by saying well, I'm not cool. You know, when people try to use being uncool as the new cool, like, what do I know? I'm not cool. And you're either fishing for people to be like, no, you're actually cool. You know, or you're trying to use uncoolness to be cool. And so that's what people do when like, they, you know, put themselves out there is like oh you know like you know look at me I'm white and white people suck and I, I suck like you're either fishing for somebody to say well you're one of the good ones you're you're 10 out of 10 on a scale of black you know, or you're looking to kind of invert it and it's like by by seeing myself as completely uncool because of the fact that I'm white and that I'm aware of that I'm actually cool I'm one of the cool ones and most things boil down to cool you know we throw all these other words around like all these other virtues and most of what people care about is coolness 
Is that cool? Is that not cool? Am I cool? Am I not cool? That's most of what people care about. Like, that's what people care about politically. You know, most of people's political beliefs are not actually rooted in a true belief. They just want to be considered cool. You know, most of... Anytime it's within a peer group, especially. Like, libs that I've known. Yeah, a few of them are true believers. But most of them, they're just worried about whether their friends think they're cool or not. Like, oh, my friends are saying defund the police. I haven't really thought about this. But you know what? Like, it's going to make me more cool... Or it's at least not going to make me uncool if I go along with that and say it too. A lot of it really boils down to coolness. Now with men, you know, there's more of a, you know, will girls like me? Will girls like me? Will girls like me if I do that? What will girls think? Will more girls like me if I say defund the police? Will my girlfriend not break up with me? Will my girlfriend not cheat on me if I just go along with this and say defund the police? You know, very few people are going to consciously think that, but that's what they're doing. That's ruling their decision-making. Because coolness, obviously, you know, as a close relationship to, you know, sex and, you know, romantic options or whatever you want to call it. You know, whether you're cool or not. Girls like it when you're cool. And, uh, you know, you can even look at the way this AI is programmed. Like, beyond the obvious agenda... Like, we want to defame white people and we want to force diversity onto everything and into everything. Beyond the agenda of that, like the, the goal of that, a lot of that is also just coolness. That person in the production meeting is like, let's make an Anne Boleyn movie, but she's black. They're, what they're also saying is... You know, can I be cool? Will this make me cool? You know, that's a, that's a part of it as well. When the AI programmers are like, yeah, you know, let's make it so that every prompt someone gives automatically inserts code that diversifies, quote-unquote, diversifies the image or the content. What that programmer is thinking, in addition to, like, pushing some clear agenda because you don't do that without a clear agenda they're also thinking like will this make me cool and uh, coolness is a topic I, I I don't feel like I've ever gotten as deep into the topic of coolness as I want and tonight's not the night you know because everything can be divided into cool and sucks Everything can be measured by coolness or sucks.
those are really the only baselines you need. Because they don't correspond to any one particular thing. Like you think about coolness, somebody doing something cool. Like somebody does something really nice. Like, oh, hey, he, this guy gave a billion, billion dollars to a homeless man and like got him a haircut and a job. And someone would respond and say like, that's really cool. Oh, that was, that was really cool of him. Oh, what a cool guy. And it fits. You know, it works perfect. You know, you, you could just go with like classic coolness, which is like someone who just has that aura. Like, the Fonz is cool. It's a much different kind of cool. Like, in, that, in the first case, like you're using cool to describe something like somebody doing something truly virtuous and good. A charitable act. You know, so you can respond to a charitable act or an act of virtue and say, that was really cool. Oh, the guy who did that, he's really cool. But you can also like look at something like an artist or a musician or just somebody who's a baddest. A baddest like the Fonz and say like, he's cool. And you don't really need to change the definition of cool, but it fits both of those things. Same with sucks. You know, like something devastating can happen to you. Like, oh man, like a... Someone threw a bowling ball through my windshield. Oh, dude, that fucking sucks. And you mean that. Like, that fucking sucks. But you can also watch like a... It's like, oh, dude, it's the new season of Stranger Things. Like, it fucking sucks. And those are very different situations, but it, it, it fits. You know, both cool and sucks can be attached to anything. And it can be used very lightly. Like, oh, dude, like, my ice cream cone fell on the ground. Oh, that sucks, but it's not a big deal. Like, oh, when I was clipping my toenails, I clipped one of the nails a little too short. That sucks. Oh, hey, you know, uh, I got a free soda. Oh, when I, when I put money in the vending machine, it gave me two sodas instead of one. That's cool. Dude, I just got into Harvard. That's cool. Like, you know, it, it really doesn't need to be something amazing to be cool. Something can just be a light, you know, a light cool. Cool light. Same with sucks. And those things, like, they, they're in everything, too. Like how the, the parable of the offensive white rapper scumbag at the party saying, like, on a scale of 1 to 10, how black am I? And how, you know, my very first thought was, oh, what he's actually asking is, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, how cool am I? On a, on a scale from sucks to cool, how black am I? You know, that's what he's asking. It doesn't matter what words you put in there. It's ad-libs at this point. What you really want to know is sucks or cool? Cool or sucks? Is that person cool or does he suck? Is that movie cool or does it suck? 
did that world event, you know, that world event that just happened, is it, is it cool or does it suck? It's the end of the road for all like dichotomies, dualism, whatever fancy words you want to put onto it. It's like it's the end of the road. Everything boils down to cool or sucks. Israel Gaza. Is Israel cool or does it suck? Is Palestine cool or does it suck? <laughs> Ukraine, Russia. Is Ukraine cool or do they suck? Is Russia cool or do they suck? You, know, you usually got to choose. It turns out you don't have to choose. You could say they're both cool or they both suck. Trump or Biden? Does, is Trump cool or does he suck? Is Biden cool or does he suck? And you sort of crack the system if you say both things are cool. If you're ambivalent, you know, if, if, you're, if you're ambivalent about, you know, things being cool or sucking, which I am. Like, I'm, I'm ambivalent about most things, whether they're cool or they suck. I mean, my thought process is just like, I don't know whether this is cool or it sucks, so I'm just going to stay away from it. That, that usually works out for me. But, you know, it's like I was saying a little while back, like, you know, people are like, well, you know, like, Donald Trump is so bad. You know, so I'm going to vote for Biden or like, you know, let's go, Brandon. Biden is so bad. I'm going to vote for Trump. And you put yourself in a unique position when you say, I like them both. Trump versus Biden. I like them both. You know, you, you put yourself in a very unique position. Like, there's a ton of people out there who hate them both. Like, in terms of, like, the cool sucks dynamic, a lot of people out there are like, Trump and Biden, they both suck. But there's a very small minority of, of us, probably the smallest political minority out there, who will tell you, you know, Trump and Biden... They're both cool. I like them both. I can't even decide who I'm going to vote for. I don't even know. I don't even know which one to choose. That sort of cracks the system, or just makes you the ultimate contrarian. Because I mean, me saying that is just me being, you know, it's just me being like, yeah, guess what? I like them both. You know, I am just being a fucker. I like them both. They both make me laugh. So I'm, I'm actually not lying. I'm having fun with it. But I'm not lying. Like, Trump and Biden, they both bring me joy. If you want to talk about a purely emotional response, both of them bring me joy. When I watch Trump talk, when I watch Biden talk, every single time I enjoy myself. I laugh takes a lot to make me laugh and not like a mocking laugh like not like oh look at how stupid he is look at how old Biden is that's part like I mean you know the condition of these men or whatever you want to say like that's part of the fun but it's not like a mocking la like when I watch like a Biden speech it's not like a mocking like oh ha, ha, ha. like he didn't know how to get off stage uh, you hear what he said like that stuff is fun too but it, it's not like that for me. It's it's more just like I'm feeling joy. 
I'm entertained. I'm, I'm enjoying this. Same, God, I, you know, Trump, of course. Joy. And so it's easy to be like, they both suck. But yeah, we're, we're a very small minority, those of us who are like, I love them. Well, which one? I love them both. I can't even decide who I'm going to vote for. I'm, you know what? I'm not even going to vote because I can't decide whether I like Trump or Biden more. It's also like the ultimate contrarian position. Cool or sucks? Are you cool or do you suck? Not many other options. And really, there's not much in between there. There really isn't, you know, there, there really isn't any neutral ground. Like, while I'm ambivalent to a lot of things, like when it comes to people, generally they either are cool or they suck. Like, my standards for somebody being cool aren't particularly high. You just somehow end up, oh, this guy's cool. Yeah, cool. And usually I don't even think it. Usually when someone's cool, like there's some people who are very cool, and I'll maybe think, like, this person's cool. But most people who are cool, who qualify as cool, I don't actually ever think it. I don't think, like, this guy's cool. I just know it. I'm just like, eh, hey, you know, this guy's fine. If you're fine, you're cool. If you're neutral, you know, yeah, you know, if, if you're neutral to me, you're cool. So it's not hard to be cool in my book. But if you suck, there's neutral people don't suck. So if you suck, you just straight up suck. And trust me, like no matter how hard I try, there's a lot of people that suck. A lot of, a lot of people that suck. I can't do anything about it. I don't have a choice. My body and my mind will tell me, and I don't have a choice. This guy sucks. He sucks. But you do have to actually suck. You know, it's it, the standards for being cool, I don't want to say they're lower, but it's just, it's a more open territory. Whereas, like, if you suck, like, I, I have to actually explicitly think that. And I, and I will think that. Like I was saying, like, with, with people who are just kind of neutrally cool... I'll probably never even have that thought. But if someone were to ask me, like, oh, what's he like? Oh, he's cool. Doesn't cause me any problems. Basically, if if you don't cause any problems or don't annoy me, you're cool. But, you know, it's not as simple as that either because, like, there's people who I think suck and they really didn't do anything to deserve it. Some of it's just the way their face looks. Some of it's, like, their voice... Some of it's just animal. You know, it's like how I'll be taking Batty on a walk and he'll see like five dogs and not even, he might look at them, but he doesn't really think anything of them. And then he'll just see some random dog and he'll just be like, ah, he'll just start barking and lunging. And it's like, why that dog? Well, what about me? Why that guy? Why, why is there that guy and like, I see him or meet him 
And I'm just thinking, oh, he sucks. It's just, it's, it's, you know, instinct. And I'm, I'm far more likely to categorize a man. You know, I think I'm, women in general sit in more neutral territory for me. Like, I'm critical of women. I think I have a healthy criticism of women. But with men, I'm, I'm insanely critical. In my day-to-day -day life. Where, like, far more men suck. But also, I'd say far more men are in the upper echelons of cool. Like, the people who I consider truly fucking cool are more likely to be men. But the people who I just... No hope, they absolutely suck. They're also far more likely to be men. And I think that's because I'm a man. You know, whereas with women, it's like, I'd say it's more neutral in general. Like, yeah, there's some awful women and they just flat out suck in the worst possible way. But usually I don't feel that passionate about it. You know, I'd say women are generally, on the whole are generally in a more neutral territory. And I'd say that I'm, I'm less critical of women for sure. Like I'd say I'm critical of women on a cultural level, but far less on an individual level. Whereas with men, it's both. I'm very critical of men on an individual, personal level, and I'm very critical of them on a cultural level. And I think that's just because I'm a man. I think that's just, you know, it's how I see the world. It's how I interact with the world. It's the standards that I hold other men to. Not even standards that I created. Like, not like a list. Just instinct. My instinct has standards. I, I don't even know that I would be able to put those standards into words. And I don't go around thinking this. Like, I don't go around thinking, cool or sucks? Does this, is this guy cool or does he suck? I don't go around trying to categorize this people. But if you were to ask me, I'd be able to tell you. But I think as an exercise for the next week, I probably won't do this at all, but for the next week, I'm going to tell myself right now, like, I'm going to actually think about what category I would put people in. This guy cool or does he suck? Cooler sucks. I'm actually going to think about that. Just see what my response would be. Now I'm going to go around going black, 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 Abercrombie black. And then too, you know, people are thinking that way about me because you know, I'm, I'm very sensitive. <laughs> I'm very sensitive. Um, I'm very sensitive to, I don't even know how to phrase it. Like people like, like I'm sensitive to psychic impressions. So what do you, what's Eric like? Oh, he's very sensitive to psychic impressions. No, I, I am though. Like even with nothing being said, even, even if I'm not in the same space as somebody, 
even if I'm not in the presence of somebody or talking to somebody, I can generally tell whether they like me or not. And I can tell whether it's like valid or whether it's some sort of insecurity. I, I can generally understand why. Confusion. Like there's a few people I know and like they've never said or done anything that's indicated to me they don't like me. But I know they don't. And I don't even think they would have the words for it. I don't even know that they would be able to tell you, tell me why or have a reason. Maybe they don't like the way I look. Maybe it is that instinctive thing. Because, you know, just like I have that instinct, and not everybody's going to like the same types of people, but just like I have that instinct, like other people have that instinct about me. I've met people I don't know who I can tell like me. There's, you know, in my job, like I, I deal with a lot of customers all day, every day. There's some customers where I can just tell, like upon meeting me, they like me. Not because I'm like trying to sell them something and putting on an act. I can just tell on a basic animal level. They're like, I like this guy. This guy's cool. And I'm sure there's other people who are like, this guy sucks. Like, I found out we had a customer who complained about me recently. And she's she's a... She's been a, a, a repeat customer. And none of us liked her from the start. Like, immediately we classified her as suck. I won't even get into it, but... Very nitpicky, very annoying... I don't mind customers asking questions. If you're going to spend a lot of money with us, like, ask all the questions you want, you know? I've got nothing to hide. But she was, you know, nitpicking things. And anyway, she, she had an issue recently, and we weren't able to resolve it right away. And to be honest with her, like, She's been such an annoying customer that I also didn't... It's not that I didn't want to resolve it. It was just a lower priority to me than it might be otherwise. And my boss had to... I had to get his advice about something. And then he he didn't really want to do anything either about it. Um, and then we got, our store got broken into Tuesday morning. And they stole all our computers and our phone. Someone crowbarred the warehouse door open at 7 a.m. and didn't steal any furniture, but they stole our computers, which weren't even very nice computers, you know? It's like, I don't know, you know, not really worth the effort. They stole our computers, a big hassle for us and an expense, but stole our computers, stole the company cell phones, stole our tape measures, our power tools. But so we didn't have a phone for a few days. There was no way to call us. And so, like, this, this, anyway, this annoying customer, she uh, had been trying to get a hold of us and couldn't, so she's, like, upset, you know, she wants to get this issue resolved. Um, but she came in yesterday, and she's just a really emotionally manipulative person, and she talks in a really quiet voice, so you can't even hear her, and she just tries to guilt trip you. Nobody likes her. But I found out that, like, she had been in when I was gone and complained to my employees about me 
And what her complaint was is that I was too friendly, which is insane. And by that, she didn't mean that I was like creepy friendly, like not like friendly as a euphemism for flirting. Like she is like what she was upset about is that like she had bought a bunch of stuff from us at one point and then she came back to buy more like two or three weeks later. And when she came back in, I remembered her. And I was like, oh, hey, it's your name. Your name is such and such, right? And I was like, yeah, welcome back. And that was it. And I could tell when I said that that she didn't like it. And so I just kind of let her be. Like, I, I didn't, like, hang around her trying to chat. Like, literally all I did is she came back in the store. And I was like, oh, hey. And I said her name. And I don't talk that way. You know, I, I talk naturally. And she, something about that, like, she, she thinks I suck. Like, I've given her no reason to think I suck, but this customer, she doesn't like me. Just on a basic level, she thinks I suck. And complained about me being essentially too nice. But, uh, anyway, I think she sucks. I've had customers who have screamed at me and been upset and I still don't think they suck but there are others where they didn't even necessarily do anything that bad but I still think they suck it just I don't have a choice in it sometimes but this one customer just stood out to me because I was like I dealt with this really uh, obnoxious customer several times like this there's one woman who I don't know what I think she's a gypsy because I asked one of my coworkers, I was like, what do you think she is? This, this is a completely different woman. But like, I was like, what do you think she is? And they were like, because I was like, I was trying to figure it out. Like, I can't tell whether she's like Middle Eastern or South American. And they were like, I think she's a gypsy. And I was like, I, I think you're right. I don't know what that, I don't know what ethnicity that corresponds to exactly. But I was like, I think you're right. But like, she comes in and um, she is just like ferocious about getting a discount. Like we already sell things at a discount, but she's like ferocious. Like she gives you, she loves haggling and she's extremely loud and aggressive and she's upset every single person who works for me, but not me. Like I have to get firm with her and I, I say, no, we can't sell it to you for that. Oh, you, I'm buying lots of stuff from you. Like you gotta sell it to me for 18 a box. And I'm like, I'm not selling, I can't. Like, I'm not selling it to you for $18 a box. 19, how about $19.50? You're already getting a few bucks off. So I get firm with her, but she respects that. Like, with people like this lady who's very aggressive, ferocious, very demanding, she does respect, like, fighting fire with fire. And I'm guessing that whatever culture she's from does that. And that bothers me less. Like, even though this woman is, like, sandpaper, you know, interacting with her is, like, like sandpaper. Like, somebody just rubbing you with sandpaper. It doesn't really bother me. And I'd say she probably sucks. But it actually brings me joy. Like, I, I find the humor in her. Like, when I'm dealing with her, I'm thinking, like, I just needed to, I just wanted to go. I just, I just wanted to hurry up and make a decision and go. But she does, she's brought a lot of entertainment to me and my coworkers. And like, 
when I think about her, I don't think like, oh, I actually just kind of smile because I'm just like, that lady's fucking crazy. But this other one, this one who complained about me being too nice, she's one where it's like there's no joy. And when she was in the store talking to me last night, laying on this guilt trip, I was just sitting there and I was just, because I had already heard from my coworkers that she complained about me being too nice, I was like, okay, if she doesn't want me to be nice, I'm just going to be completely indifferent. And I just listened to her and I just was like, uh-huh, okay. And it's weird to be like looking another human being in the eyes. You know, when you know that this person doesn't like you and doesn't have a reason not to like you, and they're also trying to get something out of you. And granted, like, we should do a little bit to help her resolve this situation. But she's the kind of person who's going to milk it for all it's worth. So you have to be very careful. But just kind of meeting her vibe with indifference. Because this is a person who's manipulative. And I know doesn't like me. And just kind of like looking that person in the eye and being like, yeah, this is a human being I would never otherwise interact with for any reason in any time and place. But here I am. And she sucks. And I compared her to, like after she left, I said to my coworker, I was like, you know, I'd rather deal with the other lady any day. She makes me miss the other lady. Which is saying something. You know what? Like you, you suck so much air out of the room that I'd rather have the screaming gypsy lady giving me low ball offers while she tries to haggle half the store away from me. I'd rather be having like a screaming negotiation with her right now than listen to you for one more second. But anyway, uh, cool or sucks? Is it cool or does it suck? Not much more to it than that. Teach your kid that. You know, if you have a kid, like tell your kid at a young age, like, hey, you know, all you really need to get by in life is your instinct. And you say instinct, and people don't really know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, your gut feeling, your intuition. No, your, your instinct is just, you'll go through life, and you'll encounter situations and people, and something inside will either tell you this person's cool or they suck. Listen to that for the most part. You know, you can't just, like, condemn everybody who sucks. And you can't just spend your whole life interacting with people who are cool. But be aware of it, because that's all you need. You can't live in some utopia where you isolate yourself from everybody who sucks. But you can isolate yourself from a lot of them. It goes back to what I was saying, you know, about just the state of culture, the state of um, our social world the acceleration of, of things that are obnoxious and destructive to everything I value. 
but wanting it to just accelerate, like wanting it to keep going. Hey, let's let's see them take this farther. I'm not contributing to it. Let's see them go further. Let's see this spin even further. Let's see how out of control and chaotic this can get. But let's see if I can stay untouched. That's kind of what it is with cool people. Cool situations. Cool situations. You know, just, um, you know, hey, I can't live a life where everything's cool. I can try, but I'm going to fail. So I have to accept the fact that not everything is going to be cool and a lot of it's going to suck. But let's see, let's, let's turn that into a game. Because I'm going to have to interact with situations and people that suck every single day in some way or another, let's see if I can stay untouched. I'm going to get a few nicks here and there. I'm going to brush up against it. But let's see if I can do it. Let's see, if, let's see if I can stay untouched. Let's see if I can live up to my name of Abercrombie Black. They call him Abercrombie Black because he's the guy who stays untouched. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can run free. So take.